it's kind of like walking into a library and seeing a whole section of like memories about yourself and just like being like, "Mm, maybe not. I don't want to learn all that stuff about myself and just walking away from it. (laughs) Because your body stores so much more information about yourself than you think. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. Today's guest on the Find Your Voice podcast is Kula Callahan, and I could read Kula's long resume. There's so many wonderful things to say about her, but mostly I want to say that she's an insanely talented yoga instructor, and in fact, my favorite instructor to take class from, which is saying a lot because I have many that I love. But the reason I wanted to have her on the show today is because she has some profound insight to share with you regarding how your body can play a role in your healing, your writing, and your life. So whether the mind-body connection is a totally new concept for you, or whether you've had some firsthand experience with how our bodies sometimes understand truths that our minds can't handle, there's something for you on today's episode. Kula and I talk about how our bodies can communicate to us the truth of how we're feeling about a particular situation. We talk about how a regular practice of movement, not even necessarily yoga, but just moving our body on a regular basis gives us an integrated and holistic way to move through the world. And we talk about how you can tap into the rich data that your body offers for the sake of your own creativity. My favorite quote from Kula in all of this is when she says that it's actually impossible to experience the truth of your story if you don't incorporate the body. We're going to unpack all of that on today's episode and more. Don't miss this. Let's jump right in. Hi, Kula. Thanks for joining me today. Allie, it's so fun to talk to you. It's the best when I get to interview my friends. I'm like, I've somehow created a job where I get to like hang out (laughs) to my friends. I know. It's it's so funny. I was looking at my calendar. I was like, interview with Allie. What? It feels so special. I know. (laughs) I feel like we talk about this stuff like just regularly as friends anyways. So I'm glad we we can make it a finish. Yeah, we do totally, which is why I wanted to do this to just basically hit the record button on a conversation that we have all the time and get your insight and input. There's so many angles that we could take in talking to you because you have like a thousand different areas of expertise and you're such a badass. But the particular topic I want to talk about today has to do with moving your body. And I'm thinking particularly of you as a yoga instructor, you are such a gifted yoga instructor, one of my all-time favorite yoga instructors. I miss taking your classes so much. I miss your body in my classes. Oh. Um. (laughs) That sounded Um, weird, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I totally get it. Yes. No, but I I just would love to talk about the connection between body movement and it doesn't have to be yoga specifically, but I'll get you to talk about that a little bit, but between moving our bodies and 
a practice of creativity like writing. Yeah. So let's start from the very beginning. The question that I always start these interviews with is what does it mean for you to find your voice? What does that phrase mean to you? Oh, I love that question. For me, when I feel like I'm in my truth, when I'm really like using my voice and speaking from my quote voice is when what I am feeling on the inside matches what I am saying and doing on the outside. Finding my voice to me feels like when I don't have to hide anything that I'm feeling Mm. or going through from the people in my life. And I don't have to feign or pretend to be one way when on the inside, I'm really feeling another way. And, you know, that doesn't mean that if I'm feeling like being a bitch, I'm just like a bitch to everybody. But (laughs) for so long, I just hid the truth of my experience and my story and what I was struggling with from literally every other human on the planet. And now looking back after I've, you know, dealt with a lot of stuff, a lot of really intense loss and grief and trauma and things like Mm -hmm. that. And now that I have, have, you know, process through all that stuff. It's, I've realized that all that time I was hiding those things, I was really hiding like 90% of who I was. And that obviously includes my voice. So for me, what that looks like is just integration between what I'm feeling on the inside and what I'm doing and saying on the outside. I love that answer so much because it really does. It's, I'm going to get you in a second to talk about what that has to do with moving your body. Because yeah. I don't think the connection is always super obvious there. But, right. but people who listen to this show really regularly will already begin to see the connection between what you're saying and the process of writing. So talk to us about the connection between that congruency, between what's on the outside and what you feel on the inside, and a practice of moving your body regularly. Ooh, I could literally go super nerd for like hours and hours and hours, but not going to do that. But so like that, that example, if you will, that I just gave of like ignoring a humongous piece of my story because I was scared of it. I was afraid of what people would think about me. So I would just like move through life acting like it never happened is, is what all humans do when they forget about their bodies and how could you forget about your body? Cool. You use it like you're, you're in it every day. What I mean by forgetting about your body is like in a process of self-discovery or self-awareness or self-inquiry or healing or processing grief or whatever, most of us tend to ignore the body. And what I mean by that is we don't incorporate body movement into our healing journey. And what, why that's a problem is because you know, you talk through something and you your brain remembers an event or whatever, but that's really just one organ of the entire vessel of your body. And the entire vessel of your body stores memory too. And so when you try to learn about yourself by only using your neck up, like your head and your brain and your memories, you're ignoring like 90% of who you really are, which is the other... <laughs> part of your body, which is your arms and your legs and your belly and your feet and your fingers. And so it's almost impossible to fully experience the truth of your story if you don't incorporate some sort of body movement into a process of healing or processing trauma or whatever it might be, or even just like self-discovery. Like I kind of want to become a little bit more self-aware and learn about who I am and why I am the way I am. When you've 
do not incorporate your body that is other things besides just your thoughts and what you can remember, then you're ignoring a significant part of your story. And a lot of people don't know that your body, like the cells that make up the organs and the muscles and the fascia and the bones in your body actually store memory. And so Hmm. when we think about things and just try to process them with our heads, it's kind of like walking into a library and seeing a whole section of like memories about yourself and just like being like, "Mm, maybe not. I don't want to learn all that stuff about myself and just walking away from (laughs) it. Because your body stores so much more information about yourself than you think. And so I can't really remember what the actual question that you just asked. No, that's the answer though. That I love that. And I'm, I can think of a thousand ways that that applies for me and everybody who's listening, not everybody, most people who are listening have heard me tell my story of the tremendous role that yoga played in my own healing. But mm-hmm. can you give us an example either from your own personal life or from from maybe a participant that you've mm-hmm. um, instructed for many years of how this plays itself out in a yoga class? Like someone comes to a class, they do yoga. Because I hear people talk about, we'll talk more about this too, but I hear people talk about like about yoga like, yeah, I tried to do yoga, but I can't really do it because I'm not that flexible yeah. or Gosh, that's whatever it is. favorite thing here <laughs> ever. So annoying. Yeah. I'll just tell an example from my own story. So, and for those people listening who are like intimidated by yoga, yoga doesn't mean you have to like put on stretchy pants and go to a studio and like take a really intense class from a scary instructor. <laughs> like yoga is very much more. It's just a, a mindful way of connecting with your body and your breath. So don't think about like handstands and crazy poses and stuff. An example from my own life. So several years ago, my oldest brother passed away. It's actually his birthday today. So happy birthday, Miles. On Instagram. Happy birthday, Miles. Angel. Anyway, so for a while, Miles, and I'm okay sharing this because I, I've processed it to hell and back, I feel like. And so mm-hmm. a disclaimer that I always say in conversations like this is like, I like to process things and feel some sort of resolve about them before I share them publicly. So I don't want people to hear this and be like, I have to tell my most deepest, darkest secret. That's not the case. I've done a lot of work around this. So that's just a disclaimer. But up to the point where Miles passed away, he struggled uh, really, really intensely with addiction and substance mm-hmm. abuse. And that sort of stuff has been rampant in my family bef- like ever since before I was even born. And, you know, I grew up in this environment where image and uh, what people think and what people say about you is just like the most important thing. And so I literally like never even uttered the words addiction to anybody in my little circle, like not anyone in my family, none of my friends, literally no one. And it's not, I mean, they might've known, I don't know, but I just felt so much shame and guilt and honestly humiliation around the fact that like my dad struggled with addiction and my brother has an addiction problem and my grandparents. and, And I just was so ashamed of it. And so, you know, when people would ask me, how's your brother? I would like just make up answers and I didn't notice it at the time, but looking back, I can remember like anytime someone would ask me that this rush of like sensation in my chest and I would like crouch my shoulders over at like Mm. shrug my shoulders forward to, to like deal with that sensation that was rushing into my chest. And I never really knew what that was. I was 24, I think when my brother passed away and that was right around the time I got really into yoga 
And um, I had been a gymnast for a long time. So like the body movement piece wasn't super intimidating to me. I just never practiced like mindfully getting into poses and staying there and breathing and being aware and that sort of thing. I remember one of my first ever like studio yoga classes. Well, not first ever studio yoga classes, but like one of the more intense classes when I first started going to those I went to and they had us do like 10 back bends in a row. <laughs> and um, after the 10th back bend, I laid back down on my mat and I burst into tears, like hysterical. <laughs> and this was, I think maybe right after my brother had passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point, I mean, even when he passed away, I still wasn't really talking about it. I like had to leave the room because, you know, back bends, you're just like totally exposing the front line of your body and you're busting open your chest cavity and just creating tons of space and openness and like vulnerability in your heart space. And so I was processing later with my therapist and, um, I was like, why did that make me burst into tears? I wasn't even thinking about miles. But then after that last back bend, I just laid and collapsed on the floor and I couldn't stop crying and thinking about him and all this stuff. And she helps me realize through a series of, of really intimate questions that I had been hiding for so long the truth of the experience with my brother, which was he was struggling with addiction and I didn't say anything about it. And so I was trapping all of this emotion and sensation in my chest and my heart space. Cause that's where I really like felt it, you know, in my relationship with him. And even like when people asked me about it, that's where the sensation would come. And I had just been ignoring that and acting like it didn't exist. And so when I finally like got into a posture that opened all that space up, it was just like, it felt like, busting down the drywall in a house or something. It was just like the most out of body experience ever. And I think that that moment was when I really realized like, holy moly, a lot of this really intense grief and trauma that I've dealt with in my life is stored somewhere in my body and I got to go find it or I'm never going to be able to fully heal and interact in the world in a way that's authentic and truthful. Yeah, such a powerful example two parts to the next question for you as I think about you in the yoga room and I can identify with that experience so clearly of having those moments where you touch into something by moving your body that you didn't know was there and then you're you know either like it brings up tons of anxiety or brings up like a a deep sadness and you find yourself crying and crying and crying or whatever it is I could see someone hearing that story and being like that sounds terrible I know But the two parts to the next question is like, what was not seeing that, not knowing that before you had that experience, how was that holding you back in your life? And then after the fact, after you had that experience, what, what did it change for you? That's such a good question. So up to that point, having not really dealt with that stuff, I didn't realize this, but I was limiting greatly my ability to heal and Mm. process And so without really knowing it, I'm walking around life kind of like half engaged and half zoned out because I didn't know that I needed to deal with this whole other side of the equation that I just refused to talk about. And there are so many examples of this. That one's a more intense one. And I will say, by the way, it wasn't that great. I mean, it was like scary and weird and I was crying in public and like, 
it it wasn't necessarily easy, but the best things normally aren't. So I was greatly limiting my ability to heal from those things and to be fully present and fully awake and alive in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what it's made me more mindful of and, and aware of now is that I have to rely on my body more than I think I do for the truth of what I'm feeling. Because I can think my way, try to think my way out of or into anything. Like, oh, no, you're not feeling that. Just like act like it doesn't exist and it won't exist. And that's just not true. So sure, I think what it's opened up for me is that I have been able to develop a much more integrated and holistic way of processing life, hard things and good things. And because of that, I believe I'm able to more like I said, authentically and truthfully be who I fully am and be really awake and alive and alert to what's happening in my life. Yeah, I would second that. And especially being someone who's really close to you in your life and knows you're, you know, I mean, I haven't known you since you were 24, but watching from the outside, the really tangible things that have shifted for you in your life, the opportunities that have opened to you, the way that you've um, like discovered this really not that you didn't have a powerful voice before, but like your voice and your authority as a instructor in the yoga room. And as someone who you're my friend, but when I go take a class from you, you have a way of guiding me into an experience with such authority and conviction and power that has grown so much over time as you've continued to walk the path of this practice. And then also like in your career, which is totally separate you know, I mean, yeah. quote unquote, totally separate from your yoga life because yeah. you've totally. had massive, incredible opportunities open for you in your career and you're speaking in front of thousands of people and you're, um, you know, like getting to use your gifts in all these amazing ways. And, and then your, your relationships and your friendships, I've yeah. find way more confidence in your dating relationships. Yeah. Even you're like certain about what you want and what you don't want, what you'll handle and what, or what you'll up with and what you won't. Your yeah. our group of friends has become like I don't know. I'm just going through the list, but like all these tangible things yeah. that have shifted for you. I'm wanting people to totally that those things all come out of this um, practice of regularly moving our body and moving through those feelings as well. Totally. And what a lot of people don't realize because I can get it sounds a little bit woo woo. <laughs> like when you first hear about this stuff, you're kind of like there is literally no effing way that that's true. <laughs> And then you do more research and you experience it for yourself and you're like, oh my God, it's true. (laughs) But like what, what a lot of people don't realize is, is your physical body stores every single experience that you have in your life. And so to exist in this world without a recognizing that and then be tapping into it is honestly to you're not, you're like two separate people. It's like your subconscious body has all of this rich data about yourself that if you don't acknowledge it, you aren't able to connect with it. And so it's like, you're existing as half of yourself. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense, but when you do tap into that reservoir of data that it, that has been accumulating your entire life, when you tap into that, it makes way for this integration that just frees you up to do so much more with the tools and resources that you've been given because you're, you're just more aware of like your entire existence. Mm. And again, that might sound kind of meta, 
It sounds perfect. I love the phrase rich data. I feel like that, that has such implications, especially for people who are listening, who are either wanting to write about a personal story from their life or who are wanting to work on a book project who, whether that's a content driven book or a story driven book, it doesn't really matter. If you're wanting to to, um, pull from the resources of your own experience and expertise that you have to offer. Like, I think what you're saying is that you could literally like pull up from the reservoir, all of this rich data that could help totally. record that. 100%. It also, I mean, there's so many other tangible benefits to connecting with your body and having a regular like mindful movement practice. But it also, what I've experienced is that it opens you up to the choices you can make for yourself. Because the more you know, the more you know, right? And so it's just like learning all of these things that you never knew existed within yourself. So there's an immense amount of power and freedom in that because you can choose to be the type of person I think that deep down you really want to be when you do tap into that. And it also, of course, helps you you know, develop the mind-body connection so that you can live more integrated. But it is just really, really nutty what your body tells you. And I say this a lot in my classes. And if you don't, if you haven't ever been to yoga class, this is going to probably scare you away forever. But, um, <laughs> you know, your, your body is always talking to you and it is extremely beneficial if you just stop to listen to it. Yeah. Totally. If you just stop to listen to it, it's always telling you something. And, um, <laughs> I can literally, like, there are people in my mind who I'm envisioning listening to this right now, just rolling their eyes. But like, if you walk around for months with a toothache and never realize you have a toothache, so you never take medicine to deal with the toothache, you like don't even know that part of your body is throbbing and causing you immense amount of pain. And it's the same sort of thing with stuff that you that isn't as obvious as like a toothache. But you know, if you just take time to listen to what your body's telling you about the sensation that you feel and how that's connected to what's going on in your life. If you never take time to listen to that stuff, it's just kind of like you're walking around like half of a person. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just to add to what you're to the, you mentioned that people, there might be people who are listening who are thinking like, this is so crazy. I don't believe this for a second, but just to add to that, like the concept that when I'm afraid my heart rate speeds up or I get sweaty palms Mm -hmm. is not a, it's not a difficult concept for anyone to wrap their brains around. So sometimes I get confused why, why it should be a complicated concept that our minds and our bodies are connected. And, um, you know, I mean like obviously Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score is a really great, it's not a new book and it's, it's received a lot of like, um, positive, praise from the scientific community because it's very well researched and such a great comprehensive approach to the mind-body connection. Another book I wanted to talk about with you because you recommended it to me and there's also incredibly compelling data in this book is a book called It Didn't Start With You. Oh, yeah. And I feel like this is such an important book to talk about with especially people who are trying to tell their personal stories too. Can you talk about like how you found out about that book and then what the process was like for you to read it? Well, as every good therapist does, my therapist <laughs> recommended it to me. And I like for a really long time, I was just like, Ugh, I don't want to read another book about how my family screwed me up. <laughs> like, I was just like, I don't want to do it anymore. 
But alas, I've worked through that mental block and read it. And it's, uh, it's insane. I uh, struggle with depression and anxiety and just kind of understanding more where that has come from and how I've not <laughs> dealt with it appropriately and the difference in my life between that moment and where I am now. It's just so helpful to have that mental sort of construct so that when you experience really intense feelings, whether it's obsessive thoughts or like compulsion or depression or anxiety, you already have kind of like a roadmap to understand yourself and how you can protect yourself and stay safe. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, the, the book itself is about like inherited family trauma, but it's it's again, just like a whole other sort of reservoir of data yeah. <laughs> that helps you understand yourself. And it's, I mean, it's, I thought it was pretty intense and you, you have to, I mean, I thought I was very grateful for my therapist who was kind of like walking me through that as I was reading it. It's pretty crazy. I think it's so freaking helpful though. For me, just if someone, maybe, maybe most people aren't interested in picking up the book or aren't ready or whatever, but the, just yeah. the general concept that like, okay, if our bodies are collecting memories, even outside of our consciousness. So like my brain might not remember an experience, but my body stores data inside of it mm-hmm. that has a memory mm-hmm. of the experience. Then that means that when my mom was pregnant with me and we could go deep into the weeds here, but like when my mom was pregnant yeah. with me, when she had an experience it doesn't matter that I couldn't consciously remember it because my body is actually storing the data of her, whatever anxieties she felt. And, you know, I mean, I, again, like this is not yep. to start a long conversation about how our family screwed us up, but more to start to think about like the, the feelings that I have in my life are, they come from somewhere. They're not, they have, yep. they have an origin. Like the, the fact that I struggle with anxiety, it has an origin. It has a starting place. Yep. Totally. And Allie, it probably was the same for you, but for me, that was such a freaking relief. Yes. Totally. Especially because where I grew up in our society, there's just such a like gross sort of mindset and taboo, like thoughts about anxiety, depression and mental yeah. illness and all that stuff. But it was so such a relief for me because I was like, oh, I didn't like inflict this upon myself because of bad choices I made. This just happens to be how my literal somatic cells (laughs) were formed. And, and on top of that, it's sort of like the concept of living through anxiety and depression as an experience is a big enough burden itself. But to, to assume that I'm somehow doing this to myself is a double burden and puts you in this double bind of a trap where it's like, if I'm doing it to myself, then I can't get out versus for me realizing like this had a starting point. It had an origin. It doesn't have to do with me made me realize that I can actually start to move through those sensations through a practice of body movement and writing. Those are top two um, strategies. So writing down the words that are true about where I'm currently at and where I'd like to go. And then also moving my body to kind of like move some of that energy through my cells that might be trapped in there from very old experiences. It just detaches you from all of it. You're like, Oh, this isn't even, this anxiety isn't even my anxiety. I didn't even, it's nothing. There's nothing to be afraid of basically. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. And like for so long, and I still do this in my weak moments. I'm like, God, why did I do this up? Do this to myself again? Like, damn it. 
I got in another bad relationship. It's my fault. I'm the bad one. And you know, there's, that is, has some truth to it, but it's, it's so helpful to understand that you are like biologically preconditioned to some things. Hmm. And that's not an excuse to not deal with it. And that's not an excuse to like, let that drive your motivation and behavior. It's just a, a empowering sense of like, now that I know where it's come from, I can change it. Yes. I love that. Now that I know where it's come from, I can change it. Okay. I want to move on a little bit to talk about the connection between uh, moving your body and creativity specifically Mm -hmm. and about the process of writing things down. You and I have hosted a workshop together called the self-care workshop, which is not, was not a one-time event. We're going to host it again. Um, you know, when, when we're all able to gather together in the same space and potentially take it virtual as well. But Mm -hmm. being that the, the power of moving your body along with a practice of writing down words. And then we also um, implement a self-understanding tool called the Enneagram with our friend Katie. But using these tools together is a really powerful combination to help you create whatever kind of reality or future or way of feeling about yourself that you want to create. So can you, what is the connection for you between yoga or moving your body and your creative and a creative practice, like writing it down? Okay. I just thought of this metaphor. So hopefully it makes sense. Just go with me. Perfect. So, well, and I'll just use like an example from the workshop that we hosted. So You talked about writing and what it can do for you in terms of your own personal growth and development. And then you gave all of our attendees a writing prompt and had them write for 12 minutes about it. And then we did a very brief, slow movement practice. I mean, just some very basic breathing exercises and stretches. Did the same prompt again and gave them the exact same time Mm -hmm. to write about it. And every single one of our attendees expressed that they were shocked at what came up for them after they wrote after the movement. Yeah. And, you know, we, you and I can say, oh, well, duh, that's because they dropped into their bodies. But a lot of people don't understand what it means to like drop into your body. And so here's my analogy that I just want you to go with me on. Okay. So like when you wake up in the morning and you go maybe like to your journal to write, or you like try to, to answer emails. If me, if I haven't had like coffee, then the words that I put on paper are very close to gibberish. <laughs> it's like the, <laughs> the synapses aren't firing in my brain because I haven't woken it up. But once I wake it up, I'm like, oh, I, I can make coherent thoughts. I am yeah. a functioning human. Yeah. The same is true with body movement. So as we've talked about, your body stores data about every single experience you've ever had in your life. And so If you try to go into a space of creativity without waking all of that stuff up, you're operating with like 10% of your capacity. And so it's not too dissimilar from drinking coffee in the morning and having that like caffeine buzz hit and being like, all right, now I'm in the zone. When you get into your body and you move around and your cells like get rejuvenated and, and oxygen is going to your brain all of your vital organs and your muscles, they just wake up and they start working at a more optimal level. And so from my experience, when I try to go into a space of creativity, if I have not 
moved and breathed with intention. And it doesn't take a long time. I mean, even for like two minutes, I feel stiff. Like my thoughts aren't coming out. I'm not getting in the quote flow. It feels very forced. But when I just get into my body and like wake up every ounce of my physical being, I feel much more equipped and willing. And it feels more natural for me to go into a space of creativity, whether that's writing or trying to come up with a yoga sequence or trying to rearrange the freaking decorations in my living room. (laughs) It, it, for me, makes sense to think about it as just like waking your entire self up. And when you think about it like that, I think it's a little easier to understand. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. My head is only like 10% of my body. And so if I don't wake up the rest of it, I'm only operating with 10% of my body. Yeah. That's a great analogy. So let's just say that you were trying to create a presentation or something for work and you're feeling really stuck. And every time you sit down to work on it, you're feeling even resistant before you sit down. This is, I'm mirroring this to the writing process. Before you sit down, you're kind of like, oh, I don't really want to do this. It doesn't sound that fun. I don't have any great ideas. Then you start picturing worst case scenario. You're like, it's going to be terrible. I'm (laughs) going to present at work and everyone's going to think my ideas are dumb and they're going to laugh at me or whatever. And then you finally do sit down and then you're like deleting everything you write and you're like, Oh, this is awful. You do you, what do you do next? Do you do a, like a yoga class in your living room or do you, can you give listeners something that they could do that would be like really simple that they could. Yes. So what I do is <clears throat> stand up and I take a big breath in. I reach my arms out and up over my head And then I interlace all my fingers and press my palms up to the ceiling and like shrug my shoulders up towards my ears. And then I tilt over to the right. So I'm really opening up the left side of my body and like, it's probably not happening, but I'm visualizing like more and more space in between each rib Mm -hmm. on the left side. And then I come back through the center, my arms are still up. And then I dive over to the left. So I'm opening up the right side of my body, visualizing tons of space in between each rib And then I reach my arms up to the ceiling again. And then on an exhale, I draw my elbows out wide like a goalpost. And I let my head fall back to open up my throat so that my literal vocal cords can get some space and air. And then I reach my arms back up to the ceiling on an inhale. And then I fold over my legs on an exhale. And then I just stay in that standing forward fold for a couple moments, like maybe five or so breaths. Hmm. And then... I stand back up with a big breath in and reach my arms over my head. And then I sit back down. So that takes like 30 seconds. Yeah. And it's honestly remarkable <laughs> what it does for my headspace. When you breathe really deep with intention, it calms down your parasympathetic nervous system, hmm. which controls your rest and relax response. And so all the hormone, like the stress hormones that your brain is secreting when you're in that like, oh my God, this sucks. I'm dumb. People are going to think I'm stupid. Breathing really deep slows all that stuff down. So if you don't have time or space to like stand up and stretch or whatever, just try to take a few really deep breaths coming from your belly because that will slow down all of those stress hormones and make that stress response kind of go away. Yes. Um, but. 
I mean, I literally do that little like stretchy thing that I just talked through probably like three times a day. And what I think is is most helpful in that is that it's just creating space in my physical body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Because when you sit down and you get really frustrated, it's like there isn't any space between those thoughts. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's hard to interject yourself. But when you can feel the space coming into your physical body, it's easier to space out your thoughts. Yeah, if that yeah, makes yeah. Sense. I'll never forget when I first started doing yoga. I did yoga for several weeks or maybe months, probably just just believing somewhere deep inside of me that this was going to make a difference in my life, and also liking the physical exercise of it, but without really understanding all of the benefits that were going to come with the practice. And I will never forget the very first time that I, I actually texted one of our, uh, the teachers from hot yoga East Nashville, who you would know, I texted her the first time I remember feeling that oxygen was going to a place. It hadn't gone in a really long time. Like like new space has opened up and now that part of my body is getting oxygen. And it was almost like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that there had not been oxygen to like that part of my low back for as long as I can remember. And then Mm -hmm. suddenly feel like a sensation there that felt like almost like a, like a waking up or like a, whoa, there's blood flow. That (laughs) feeling along with all of the other positive benefits I started to see in my life, like reduced anxiety and more just more creativity, more creative ideas, yeah. all that kind of stuff was was what kept me coming back to the practice over and over. It's so good. And even like, man, that's so freaking good. I just got chills when you said that. When You know when you're like cleaning out a bookshelf or something and you remove a book and there's a giant clump of dust that you never knew was there and you get it and you're like, yes, oh my God, I never knew that giant clump of dust is there and now it's clean. That's what it feels like when you can send that really refreshing, deep, blood, like oxygenated blood to the parts of your body, including your brain. It's just like, yes. Oh my gosh. It's cleaned out. I'm ready. It's a new opportunity to begin again. And here I am. Yes. I love that. It's so good. It's like cleaning out the gunk in your gutters or something. Totally. Such in your body. (laughs) Okay. So let's say that there's someone listening right now who's thinking, this sounds interesting. I might like to start a yoga practice, but they haven't done it before. They're brand new to this. They're, you know, a total beginner. A big difference in my opinion is the studio you go to and the teacher that you, you take from. So can you give someone some advice if they're in this for the first time, they have no idea. They're just going to go Google in their neighborhood (laughs) yoga yoga studio or whatever, or maybe like use a a virtual platform and do yoga in their living room. But what should they be looking for? So I always say that for beginners who are are looking not like for a really intense workout, but just to kind of get into what it's like to have a yoga practice, restorative and yin classes are fantastic. There are, it's pretty much just like not nap time, but it's super (laughs) relaxing. You're not going to work up a sweat at all. I always think you just get a roll on the roll around on the floor for about an hour. (laughs) Yes, it's so good. But that's a really great place to start, especially if you're just looking to like stretch your body and, like we said, clean out the gunk in your joints and your bones and your muscles. That's a really great place to start. And it's literally open to any level because you're not ever 
like breaking up a sweat or doing anything that's going to build heat in your body. If you're looking to move and maybe build a tiny bit of heat in your body, then I would look for a gentle vinyasa class. Vinyasa means breath to movement. So that class, you're going to link your breath to the movement and you can get into this connection of your body moving with your mind. And it's just a really like cool experience if you've never done that before. So a gentle vinyasa or like a basic vinyasa class would be a really great place to start. If there's a studio in your neighborhood, then most studios will have a restorative or a yin class. And then most of them have like a beginner or gentle vinyasa or something like that, where it's open to beginners for sure. There's a lot more guidance and instruction and the postures are a little more um, accessible to everybody. So that's where I would recommend starting. If you just want to get like, I mean, I would go to a restorative or yin class today if you're listening to this and just yeah. see what it does like, to your creativity and to your writing. What about teacher? How do I know if I'm if I'm in a class, I leave a class and, and I'm trying to decide like, was that a good teacher? Would I go back to that class? How do I know? That's a great question. It is really subjective, but you will know if you want to go back to that class or not. So Got it. that feels very elusive and it is on purpose because what works for me and my body and where I am right now in the season of life is not going to work for everybody. And so yeah. there was a season of my life where I wanted like I was going through some hard stuff and I wanted like super intense, really sweaty workout yoga classes and just like get it all out. There have also been seasons where I only take unheated classes and I go to teachers that I would never normally yeah. go to. And so it, it just really depends, mm -hmm. but you will know and you've got to listen to that knowing because your body will tell you. If you walk out and you're like, eh, that was a little awkward. What was she teaching? I felt super ashamed, whatever. I mean, some of that stuff is normal, but you'll know. I mean, of course, yeah. the teacher needs to keep you safe and do a good job instructing and all of that stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. your body will tell you. Isn't it funny too how, speaking of your body telling you, it's funny how I find that that a lot of times you end up being drawn to a teacher without ever telling them anything about yourself. You end up being really drawn to a teacher who shares an experience to you. Yes, it's it's like a wordless kind of thing that happens mm -hmm. over and over again. It's very strange, but like, uh, you know, I think it's just another example of how our bodies hold information totally. that even if we don't say it. Out well, also that energetic connection too. And yeah, people get weird about energetic stuff, but it's, it's like the plants in your house are healthier when you put them by the sun. Yeah. And yeah, the yeah, only yeah. reason is because the sun is giving out energy that yeah, the plants really <laughs> like and make them healthy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a real thing too. Like if you feel like, oh man, this feels like, if you feel like in danger or that you have to like protect yourself, like just listen to that. I mean, that goes for you, yeah. but hopefully you don't ever have experience like that in the yoga studio. <laughs> One other thing I'll say, and I'm going to, I'll let you add to this too, um, only because of my experience trying to convince my husband to come to yoga with me. <laughs> he's, he's one of those people who's like, um, and he's come to your classes. Cool. He loves your classes, but he is one of those people who is like, he, he would come to class with me and he would kind of watch me because he's new to this and I've done it for years yeah. and he would try to do what I do. And then he would be like, that was painful. The whole thing hurt. Yeah. I didn't like any of it. Yeah. <laughs> and what really worked for him was finding a teacher who could come and show him some modifications that he could try yeah. that, get the poses to work for his body because his body is obviously totally different than mine. 
I would also, before class starts, if you go to a studio, just tell the teacher, hey, I'm new to this, would love for you to offer any modifications for postures that might be advanced. As a teacher, I really appreciate that. And I sometimes, I mean, offer modifications, but I really, really appreciate that. Also, if you have an injury or if like one part of your body is really sensitive, definitely let the teacher know that. And the most of them will, will ask, but yeah, it's sometimes awkward to be like, yeah, uh, I'm going to raise my hand because my shoulder hurts. But if you grab them before yeah. class starts, then they're usually very, very appreciative of that. So just let them know like, Hey, I'm a beginner. I'm just trying this out. Any modifications that you can offer would be super helpful. I love it. Okay. Well, there's a thousand other things we could talk about. Seriously, Counting the corner toward the end. The last question that I want to ask, this is the question we always wrap with, and I'm kind of throwing this at you. You didn't see it ahead of time, but we talk a lot on the show about the power of words to shape our personal lives and our communities and the wider world. So my question for you is how do you hope that your words shape the world in whatever capacity, your personal world, your community, or the wider world? Mm, that's so good. So in, in my life, I experienced a significant amount of suffering before I was like 25 years old. And like I talked about earlier, for a long time, I ignored all of that. Uh, because I didn't want to believe it was true because I didn't believe there was anything good to come from it. And I thought it was all a bunch of shame and guilt and embarrassment and hurt. And it wasn't until I learned that there is always a lesson in your suffering that I really felt free. And so what I hope my words do, whether it's in my classes or whatever, maybe if I write a book one day, what I hope my words do is help people understand that there's always a lesson in challenging times Mm. if you just open yourself up to it. And if you only experience a challenge for the challenge, you're missing out on half of the equation because there's always an opportunity for hope, healing, and freedom in that. Beautifully, beautifully said. Kula, you're my favorite. Thank you so much. You're my freaking favorite. (laughs) And if anyone's listening in Nashville, Tennessee, and I do think we have a a decent listenership in Nashville, you've got to go check out Yoga East Nashville. Take a class from Kula. Talk to yoga if you live on the west side. Yes. Um, And take a class from Kula or any of the other amazing instructors there. I would love to meet you for me because I miss them all desperately. Oh, we miss you too. We <laughs> miss you too. Uh, well, thank you so much, Kula. Thank We're you. Grateful. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.